good to see you this morning. If you have a Bible, if you'd please turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, page number 949 in the Pew Bible, or the Seat Bible, and we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit this morning. I got to preach two weeks ago, and two weeks ago the message was about not grieving the Holy Spirit, and then last week we had that spiritual Tasmanian devil known as George Verweer. Right, and if you were not at our missions conference, let me tell you, it was uh, it was remarkable. It was amazing. George gave some really powerful messages, and you can find those messages from our missions conference on our website. There was also a link in the pastor's desk. But um, since I have an opportunity to preach so quickly after the other message, I, I thought I'd do two connected messages. So this week is about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. This week, um, how do how do we be as Christians? filled with the Holy Spirit. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 uh, to 20, and this is God's holy word. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, Fall fresh on us this day. Make your word alive in our hearts. Spirit, breathe new life into us. Lord, would you remind us this morning that you have given us your spirit. Jesus himself even said, it is better that I would leave so that I would send the comfort of the Holy Spirit to my people. And Lord, that is what you have done. So we pray that this morning, Lord, we might behold the wonder and the resources and the treasures that have been given to us here in this life, the inheritance of eternal life that awaits us. And we pray, O Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Just two points this morning. First of all, drunk on life, and secondly, filled with the Spirit. Drunk on life, filled with the Spirit. First of all, drunk on life. Uh, Many of you have probably heard this. Uh, You probably know this, but America is in the midst of our worst drug crisis. Many public health experts are saying this. We are in the midst of our worst drug crisis ever in our nation's history. Uh, This drug crisis uh, is centered on an opioid epidemic, and particularly there is a new drug that has hit the market. I believe it's pronounced fentanyl, and it's um, way more powerful than even heroin. And uh, this crisis is is hitting close to home. New England, uh, states in New England particularly, have um, seen um, constant overdoses and sadly a lot of deaths you see on the screen in the year 2015, there was almost the same amount of deaths from opioids as there was from motor vehicles. And I read an article about this crisis from the New York Times, 
January 6th. The name of the article was Inside a Killer Drug Epidemic, A Look at American's Opioid Crisis. And this is a quote from that article by a, uh, a drug addict, an opioid user named Zach, who said this, I remember the moments of guilt and shame after being resuscitated from an overdose. It didn't start like that, but no one told me it would end like that. And if you're here this morning and you don't know anyone in your life who has been touched by drugs or alcohol, you can count yourself blessed because um, so many of us in this room, so many people, uh, you can look in your family tree or in, in, uh, in your family and you have seen the devastation of what um, drugs and alcohol can do. And I can't preach a message like this. I can't preach this text without saying this. If you have an addiction to drugs or alcohol or anything for that matter, you need to come to celebrate recovery on Wednesday nights. We have a ministry here. It's not just for those who struggle with abuse with drugs and alcohol. But if you have that struggle, then then don't ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning telling you to come this Wednesday and to start living in the light and coming out of the darkness. But many of us do know someone in our, our families or uh, who has struggled with drugs and alcohol. But if we're honest, we also know this, that addiction comes in basically countless different forms. Uh, it's easy for us to say, um, well, I'm not addicted to drugs or alcohol, Pastor. I don't have an addiction. But as the uh, definition on your screen says, the better question to ask yourself about an addiction is, is there something in my life other than God that I would say, I have to have that thing. I cannot live without this thing in my life. That is how we should view whether or not we have a struggle, whether or not we have an addiction. Now, we call it an addiction, but the Bible calls it an idol. And I know that there is the, um, the medical phenomena of addiction, and I'm using the word in a broader sense here, okay? So those with addictions need to get proper medical care. But using this word addiction in a broader sense, we know that the Bible calls this idolatry, and Tim Keller gives a very helpful definition of what is idolatry. He says this, an idol is anything more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life, or to your identity. So as we think about this phenomenon, am I I drunk on life in a way? Am I I self-medicating, maybe with alcohol, but maybe with something else? Because there is something in my life that has greater significance to me than God. You see, our natural sin-born tendency is to find and worship an idol other than God, this is at the heart of what happened in the garden, right? Adam and Eve said, God, you're not going to be ultimate in our lives anymore. We want to follow our own way. We're going to put something else on the throne, ourselves, an idol of some kind. And that led to our sickness, our disease of sin. Well, um, part of the, one of the challenges we see this, we see this not just with the drug epidemic, but we see this in a lot of ways. One of the challenges with the wealth and the materialism that we have in this country is that we are, we are drunk on so many things. 
And let me just give you a, a list of some of the things that I think Americans are drunk on right now. So many of us struggle. We struggle with substances. That's one thing. We struggle with substances ranging from, um, from drugs to, to perhaps fast food and um, you know, running to, to maybe food or to other things for comfort in an unhealthy way. We struggle with success. You know, uh, well, uh, the stock market's doing good. My 401k is in great shape, and that's really the only thing that, that matters for me in my life right now. Uh, or, or my social media presence is great. I'm popular. Everybody knows who I am. Everybody cares what I think. Isn't that so much about what social media is about? We, we're drunk on our expectations for our children. And of course, parents, you know this. If you put your child on a pedestal, ultimately, you will crush them because our children aren't, were not given to us by God to fulfill our own sense of need and identity. Rather, um, we have to commit our kids to God and say, Lord, I commit them to you and their future to you, but we have our expectations. All of us struggle with this for our kids and for ourselves. And then I think we're also just drunk on entertainment. As I was thinking about the year 2017, uh, we're, we're used to seeing evil around us. And I think we're, uh, you know, when someone is bad, that's not that surprising anymore. Oh, someone has, you know, had an affair or done this or committed this crime. We don't maybe find that so shocking anymore. Maybe we're even used to it. But it seems like the cardinal sin of 2017 is not being bad, it's being boring, right? Is there anything worse today than someone can say about someone else than they're boring? Because we live in a world where it's just swipe, swipe, swipe. More, 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 next, 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 now, now, now. In other words, we're just always wanting, and all of us, we're all wired this way. This is our struggle to just um, want to be entertained all the time. Church, if we're honest, we can be drunk on life too in these ways and in other ways as well. But if you go back to our passage, Paul makes this comparison. He says, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we should ask this question, why is Paul making this comparison? And um, one way that we could look at this question about why is Paul comparing alcohol to the Spirit is to ask, to put it like this, well, why do people drink alcohol to begin with in uh, and, and, and an excessive form? Of course, alcohol, there's nothing wrong with alcohol in, in, in moderation. That's, the Bible's clear on that. But why do people drink alcohol? Well, you know, the average college student would say, you know, because it's fun and everybody else does. And, but it's more than that. People drink alcohol um, for, to, to, to be uninhibited. They want to say, I want to feel free when I drink. I feel uninhibited. I feel like I can just have fun and do whatever I want. Um, alcohol is, is viewed as this way to truly experience freedom. You know, it's interesting. The Greek word here for debauchery, Paul says this, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You know what the, the, the word means, debauchery? It means senseless, reckless, riotous. In other words, so many people are drinking alcohol for escape, They're drinking it to self-medicate. They're drinking it um, because that's what they need to get through the day or maybe when they get home to get through um, to after a stressful day. And yet the ironic thing is that instead of bringing real freedom, 
and, and uh, instead alcohol brings um, being reckless and being out of control, and, and it's the exact opposite of the freedom that the person is really longing for. Yeah, it may be fun now, but you're going to make a dumb decision, and you're going to pay for it in the morning. That's, what, that's the promise of alcohol. People think it brings escape. They think it brings freedom. They think it brings inhibition. It actually brings recklessness, senselessness. The drunk, instead of being uninhibited, the drunk person is actually out of control and reckless. I'll never forget a 60 Minutes interview I, I saw with Kelsey Grammer. You guys all know Kelsey Grammer. He's Frazier. And before that, he was a guy on Cheers. I didn't watch Cheers, so I don't know what his name was. So, but uh, he was the longest running, actor, uh, longest running actor to play the same character. He played it from two different shows. Incredibly talented man, Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer. But uh, struggled, lifelong struggle with alcohol. And, and a great example of someone who um, had real devastation. His sister was murdered, and he was the one that identified the body as a younger man. Really sad stuff in his past. And he went to alcohol to, um, you know, cover over the wounds and to try to, and, and, and he struggled with it so much of his life. He's gone to rehab many, many times. And I still remember Kelsey Grammer saying to a reporter, he said, I had to learn that life is richer and fuller, sober than drunk. That's what he had to realize. He had to realize, actually, I've been going to alcohol to ease the pain for all these years, but actually, alcohol, life is better sober. And of course, from a Christian perspective, we'd say sober is just the first step. The better step is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what real freedom looks like. You see, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is the exact opposite of the person who is drunk. The person who is drunk is out of control and reckless. But the person who is filled with the Spirit is in control. The Spirit points us to Jesus. There's a quote by Peter O'Brien. Um, you see the quote up on the screen. Um, but this is what he says. This is what Peter O'Brien says about being filled with the Spirit. He says, Paul's readers are urged to let the Spirit change them more and more into the image of God and of Christ. So the person who is filled with the Spirit is becoming more like Jesus. They are, they are filled with Christ, and the life of Christ is filling them more and more and more. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the spiritual man or woman is a person who has faith, okay? Who, who, who can trust, who doesn't um, always you know, fall apart at, at uncertainty. Obviously, we struggle, all of us, but ultimately has a faith rooted in, in God. Is a person who is in control and who is a person who, is, um, who is, has a peace about their life. Now, think of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we've all heard the fruit of the Spirit. I, I would guess Galatians 5. How many drunk people that you know or that you've seen exhibit these kind of qualities? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I know the drunk person would say, you know, I love you, man. And I'm not, we're not talking about that kind of love. Or I've got such peace from God, man. You know, okay. That's not the kind of love and peace that the fruit of the Spirit's talking about. Because when you're drunk, you don't have that kind of love. The kind of real love, real peace, real patience, real faithfulness, and obviously, probably most of all, you don't have self-control. You don't. 
the spiritual person is the opposite of the drunk person because they're filled with God, not with something that they're using to try to escape or ease the pain or whatever. As we, as we think about this question, to be filled with the Spirit versus to be uh, filled with much wine, to be drunk, we, we, we need to th- ask this question, how does a person become filled with the Holy Spirit? How does this happen in the life of a person, Pastor? And here's what I'll say. Um, there's, a, there's a great movie I recommend, especially those of you with families, but really anybody, if you want a great family movie night, watch the movie WALL-E. Okay, I don't know if you've seen the movie WALL-E. It came out in 2008. It's a Pixar film. Um, it's not as funny as the Lego Batman movie. Okay, I'll tell you that. I just saw that one. Very funny. Very good. Not as much substance, though, okay? Um, Wally, parents, I'll tell you this. I'm not, I'm not saying this as a joke. There's a lot of substance to the movie Wally. It's, it's quite interesting. It'll make you think. You'll enjoy it with your family. And he, here's what the movie is about. The movie Wally is about imagine a world in the future where technology has gotten so good that humans don't have to do anything for themselves, okay? Um, imagine if we develop technology so much to the point where we would have robots that could literally do everything for us. So in the movie Wally, when they show humans, it's about a robot, but when they show humans, the humans are, um, everybody lives in something called the hover chair, right? It's a floating chair, and it just takes you wherever you want to go. And when you want a Coke, you just say, computer, give me a Coke. You know, boom, you got a Coke. And computer, give me a popcorn, boom. And it shows humans living a life where they don't have to do anything. Their, interta- their entertainment, their food, and everything is taken care of for them. And, of course, um, these people are, are overweight, and they, they, can't even, they can't even walk. You know, they can't even stand on their legs because they've been in these hover chairs for so long. And the picture is of people who are not truly fulfilled, you know, who are not really satisfied, but who are just totally dependent on technology and robots. And it's really not that great of a future. It's not that makes you think. Christians, brothers and sisters, sometimes I wonder if we think that to be filled with the Holy Spirit means we just sort of sit back and we just say, okay, God, I'm ready. Hit me, you know. You know, I'm ready for my kumbaya moment. Let's go. Filled with the Spirit now. And that is not the picture that we see in the Bible about how we are filled with the Spirit. Perhaps it's because we know that salvation is all of grace, and it is all of grace. You can't earn your salvation. It's a free gift of God. And perhaps it is in a good um, reaction to that that we think, well, then I, maybe I don't have an effort to play in being filled with the Holy Spirit. But That's not the picture that the Bible presents. The spiritual man or woman is a person who plays a role in this process. We are not passive. We are to strive to live spirit-filled lives. In other words, we are not laying back on the, the hover chairs, as it were, in our lives, just waiting for the Spirit to come upon us, but rather we are striving by faith to live lives where we are filled by the Holy Spirit. Well, how? How? Well, Paul's a good pastor. And Paul knows that his readers, if he says be filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul knows that his readers are going to say, okay, Paul, how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? And Paul gives us a number, not all of the answers, but a number of ways right in this text. So look down at the text. You'll notice, let me share four ways, um, four ways that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, speaking and singing. We see this in verse 19 of our text. 
do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the, whole, with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. That's the first way that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are to sing the Bible. We are to speak the Bible. We are to know the Bible and not just the Bible, but hymns and songs. And we could add good Christian books and other things like that. We are to pursue the Lord's face. Many people have pointed out that if you take the the triad here of psalms, hymns, and songs, you pretty much have covered every musical base. Psalms are the Bible. Um, Hymns would be traditional songs, and then songs would be more um, contemporary songs, and there's a great worship book that breaks this down. Um, But all of these different areas are covered here, church. And so whether we're singing a great song like Spirit, Breathe New Life on Me, that, that beautiful Getty song that we sang earlier, or whether we're singing a hymn or whether we're singing a contemporary praise song, we are to sing to God. And it's just like any song that you know, you can't sing it if you don't know the words, right? You can't. You can't sing it if you don't know the words. And so you can't be filled with the Bible and you can't sing the Bible and speak the Bible if you don't know the Bible. Secondly, Paul says, give thanks And he says, give thanks for everything. Look at verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Okay? And isn't it easy, isn't it easy to look at the three or four things in our lives and say, God, I'm waiting for you to fix that one. Really need you to get a speed up on this one right here, Lord, because this is not the way I want it to be. And God says to us, what I want you to have, not that you can't pray about things and present your request to God. Yes, you should do that. But overall, I want you to have an attitude of gratitude. I want you to be thankful for the 10,000 things that I have done in your life, I am doing in your life. And most of all, I want you to be thankful for salvation that I've given you in Jesus. Always be thankful for everything, Paul says. When When we cultivate this attitude of thankfulness, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Two other things. And it's interesting, we see the, 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 the remaining two things, we also see it in, in Colossians. And I'll just say a word about the book of Colossians, because I think this is really cool. The book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians are very similar books. And I actually think that the Holy Spirit inspired these two books. I think Paul probably wrote them on the same day, all right? Because they're very similar books. There are very similar themes, and we don't know this for sure, but I think what happened was is, Paul has a ministry to all these churches and he writes the book of Colossians and he writes it to the church in Colossae. So it's a little more specific than the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is not quite as specific because it was a circular letter meant to be circulated around to many churches. But it's pretty amazing to think that God may have inspired two of the books of the Bible the same day as Paul sat down. But we have this very similar passage in the book of Colossians to the one I read. And in that passage, we see these same themes, the Word of God, teaching and admonishing. So if you look up on your screens, you'll see uh, this text from Colossians. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is what Paul says. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Very similar text. And what does Paul tell us to do? He says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another. He doesn't say teaching only happens at the pulpit on Sunday mornings. He says, teach and admonish one another. That's the way, Christians, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Bible on our lips. We need to talk to one another about the Bible. And I'll say this as a way to sort of test yourself or measure yourself. Ask yourself this question. When you are interacting with another brother or sister in Christ, how often is your conversation about your spiritual life? How often is it about the kingdom of God versus the Super Bowl or the latest um, movie or um, whatever it may be? Again, of course, not bad. And we're going to share life together. We're going to talk about life together. But are we, are we having spiritual conversations? Are we saying to one another, hey, how you doing? How can I pray for you? Um, what are you dealing with right now? That is how we teach and admonish and encourage one another. And that is how we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me end with this. End with a few notes of application. The Apostle Paul, in this text, chooses to contrast. He could have picked so many different metaphors, church, but he picks inebriation. He picks the state of drunkenness to compare that to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And many people have experienced being drunk. Um, Obviously, it's not God's will. It's not what He wants. But have you experienced being filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you experienced that? Maybe too often we sell ourselves short as Christians and, and we think, you know, God, you've, you've given me these rules and I'll do my best to follow the rules and, you know, hopefully it goes, everything goes all right. But God says, no, that's, that's not the picture of the Christian life that I want to give you. The picture of the Christian life is, hey, instead of picking up the bottle, be filled with the Spirit and then you'll find real joy and real peace and real self-control, and real fulfillment, and real meaning, and real purpose in your life? Are we settling for too little? If we think God is boring, do we really know God? Listen to the psalmist. My heart says if you seek his face, that's our, seek God out. Seek out his spirits. I want to be filled with you, O God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, living and active. We pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would walk in step with your Spirit. We would be filled with your Spirit, and we would experience what that high is like, what that experience is like, and that through us, Lord God, you would continue to glorify your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.